podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. The day after, Burnley nil, Liverpool won at Turf Moor in the Premier League. An ugly game, a hard-fought game, but a game that Liverpool absolutely deserved to win and did win without any massive scares. Now, if you were to watch Match of the Day's reaction to the game, you might think that Burnley created a lot of chances. If you were to listen to the post-match punditry, you would think that Burnley had created a lot of chances. But what they actually did was get caught offside a lot. And that has prompted the bizarre take that Liverpool should abandon this high line because it's not working. I think when you're catching teams offside as frequently as Liverpool do, and that is 90 times thus far this season, you are doing the high line exactly as it should be. Since the introduction of VAR, Liverpool have played a higher line than even before, basically defending the halfway line for the entirety of matches, and relying on the technology to make up for any potential mistakes by referees, assistants or whoever. And thus far, it has worked perfectly. Liverpool's high line is a thing of beauty. It's called to perfection. There's the odd time that one of the fullbacks maybe is a little bit deeper, or Joel sometimes is a little bit deeper than he should be. But more often than not, it is absolutely perfect. And it was perfect yesterday. And while Sean Dyche will come out and say that his team created the best chances, all bar one of the best chances was offside. The other one came from a bit of a goal-mouth scramble, and Alisson did very well. But if you look at the game, Ali only really had two real saves to make. The one at Jay Rodriguez's feet and the one from Josh Brownhill from about 25 yards out. Everything else was very rudimentary, very easy for Ali, because we were controlling the game. Now, the first half was more difficult than the second half, in large part because Liverpool were... We're basically playing with 10 men. And I mean, let's be honest about the performance that we saw from the captain yesterday. It's as bad as you're going to see in the Premier League this season. He lost the ball with 50% of his touches. He completed only 50% of his passes. He lost the majority of his challenges. He failed to track runners. He tried to track Voot Veghorst, one of the slowest players in Europe and got outrun box to box, which is absolutely unforgivable. Uh, Jordan Henderson right now is a liability to this team. He is poor on the ball, awful off the ball, 
and he can't run. Now, we know that normally he's quite safe on the ball. We know that normally he does run. But whether it's the injury from last season or he's just declined, this season he has been by far Liverpool's worst player. Now, you won't hear that from mainstream media because they want to whitewash it and pretend like it's not happening and then aim their ire at someone like Naby Keita, who, by the way, has been really good this season, was really good again yesterday, but has had four or five hit pieces put out against him by a combination of bad journalists and awful bloggers who should probably keep their mouths shut about a player they've made outlandish statements about in the past. Naby was very good. Fab was very good. And when Thiago came on for Henderson after Henderson was hooked off on 59 minutes, we just took total control of the game. Burnley had an XG in the game of 1.16. 1.15 of that was attained with Jordan Henderson on the pitch. 0.01 of it was attained with Thiago on the pitch. We just closed the game down. Thiago, Naby and Fabinho just put the game in a chokehold and didn't didn't relent. Now, Henderson wasn't the only one that had a bad performance. Bobby Firmino was pretty awful. Sadio didn't play well. Mo didn't play well. I didn't think Joel Matip played well. Very loose with his passing. Got bullied by Veghorst a number of times. Grew into it a bit in the second half. But overall, it's a 5 out of 10 performance. Bobby was a four, Henderson a three. Now, Henderson will get a five and a six because you have to add on the points for the pointing and the shouting. But all things considered, his performance was as bad as you're going to see in the league this season. And as a team, we've done very well to overcome that. But you can understand that if that's Naby Keita turning in that performance, we're reading about it for three or four days solid. Now, we've got a massive game coming up on Wednesday night in the Champions League against Inter Milan, and he can't play in that game. Playing him in that game would be handing Inter a big advantage. It's got to be Thiago. You'd imagine it will be having been rested yesterday. It's got to be Fabinho. And the third one has to be either Naby or Harvey Elliott. You can't afford to go into that game playing a liability. You're going to need... Your best 11 on the pitch. And Liverpool's best 11 does not include Jordan Henderson. Liverpool's best 11 has a couple of positions that are up for debate, but he's not in the conversation in either of those positions. I should say any, because I think there's three. The right-side centre-back role, the right-sided midfield role, and I think there's some debate in the front line. I think Salah and Jota are musts, but I think you've got a debate to be had between Mane, Diaz and Bobby for that third role. And if it's Bobby, obviously Jota plays in the left. If it's Mane or Diaz, Jota's through the middle. The right-sided midfield, it's Naby or Harvey. And at right centre-back, it's Matip or Kanati. Now, Joe Gomez is worth consideration here as well, but obviously he's still not quite right. 
he wasn't in the squad yesterday, but it was a strong squad we were able to put out. I look at that bench. Ibu, Thiago, Milner, Ox, Jota, Costas, Diaz, Callagher, Harvey, no Joe Gomez, no Curtis Jones. You'd imagine one of them comes in for Milner. And then, ideally, you would want Thiago in the team over Henderson. Henderson drops to the bench. And you've got a choice between Ox or Jones. But that's probably our best match day squad. So we're getting close to having everybody ready. We're getting close to being whole again. And if we can get there, I saw enough yesterday and against Leicester to suggest that we can put together a long run of wins. Our league schedule is pretty favourable. You get Norwich next, then Leeds, both at home. Then there's the EFL Cup final, then Norwich in the in the league uh, in the FA Cup rather. Then it's West Ham at home, then Inter in the second leg, then Brighton away, then Manchester United at home, then Watford away. Sorry, Watford at home. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six league games, five of them at Anfield. And the away one being Brighton, the game we should win. And that leads us into City. So if we win all six of those, and let's say City win their next five that they'll have in that time, we go into the April 9th game at the Etihad, six points behind them. But if we can beat them, then all of a sudden, it really puts the pressure on them. Then we get Villa away, Everton at home, Newcastle away, Spurs at home, Southampton away, and Wolves at home. So it's not an unfavorable run of games. City's last six. Wolves away, Watford at home, Leeds away, Newcastle at home, but West Ham away, and Villa at home on the last day. There's three games there where they could slip up. Wolves, West Ham, and Villa. They do have a superior goal difference to us right now, but if we win our game in hand and we beat them, you would hope that that swings back in our favour. It's going to be a big ask. It really is going to be a big ask. And it's tough to think of a 14-game winning streak. That's a lot of games to demand a team to win in a row. That's basically what we'll probably need. And in fact, obviously, it would be more than 14 because, you know, we beat Leicester, we beat Palace, we beat Brentford. You'd be looking at an 18-game winning streak at that point, which this team is capable. This team is capable. If Jürgen puts the best 11 players on the pitch game after game after game, it is capable of doing it. There's no one in this league, bar City, who are on our level. 
I mean, Chelsea are very, very good. We've already played them twice. After that, it's a very average league. None of the teams going for top four seem to actually, or for fourth, actually seem to want that position. And all the rest are, are bad teams. If you look below... If you look at the bottom half, that's 10 bad teams. Southampton, I don't think, are a particularly good team in comparison to us. And they've been relative to us. And I would put Brighton maybe as sort of in between the decent teams and the bad teams. They're okay. Spurs are decent. Wolves are decent. Arsenal are decent. United are decent. West Ham are decent. But decent isn't great. We're great. And we should be able to run off a long run of victories. And if we do it, we'll give ourselves a real chance because City, their mentality is questionable. It is questionable. To go around the main Liverpool websites then, we have, this is Anfield, the good, the fab and Henderson's poor form. The last word on Burnley versus Liverpool. It's written by Henry Jackson. And obviously, there's a lot to be considered with, Hen- with, with, with Henderson's form. Um, but uh, he's just been so, so poor this season. And it hasn't just been a few weeks. It's not just current form. It's an entire season of him being genuinely dreadful. His best performance was an 8 out of 10 against Everton when he was the third best midfielder on the pitch in the game. That's it. A typical Turf Moor trip. Five talking points from Burnley, nil Liverpool, one. Uh, you've got player ratings. The under-19s route to the <clears throat> European final has been confirmed. Um They will play Genk at home. If they win that, they'll play Alkmaar or Juventus. Get through there, they'd have to play Dinamo Kiev, Sporting CP, Mitteljand or Benfica. And then in the final, it could be PSG, Sevilla, Zelina, Salzburg, United, Dortmund, Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. It'd be tough for them, but there's so much talent in that group. There's an exceptional amount of talent in that under-19s group. On Liverpool.com, Jurgen Klopp offered a glimpse of dream midfield that could unleash new Liverpool playmaker. Of course, we finally saw the midfield that I think the majority of people wanted to see for one reason or another, which is Thiago, Naby and Fabinho. And it worked really well. It worked really, really well. And hopefully we'll see it again. Hopefully we'll see it again very soon. Uh, biggest Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp myth needs busting as priceless Fabinho reaction proves it. So Fab was asked, asked after the game about them having all the big chances and he sort of laughed. And it is this myth about Liverpool needing to abandon the high line. The high line works brilliantly. And frankly, the only people suggesting it doesn't simply have no idea what they're talking about.
Liverpool want Bayern Munich free transfer. So this is Quarantine Tolisso. I very much doubt we'd sign him. He's 28. He's injury prone. He's a very good player when he's fit, but we're not going to sign him. Teenage talent joins sporting Ghana prodigy Abdul Fatawasha. It's a hacker. It's a haku. It's a haku. Uh, who was linked to a 1.5 million move to Liverpool in the summer has signed for Sporting Lisbon in Portugal. Yeah, the Reds were linked, but it appears like he will go to Sporting first. And we'll wait and see if there's a, a move to be had in the future. I think there's definitely interest there. You'd be mad not to have interest considering the ability of that player. Liverpool have Champions League hint already and can fully exploit three major Inter Milan weaknesses. So obviously with Inter coming up in the week, Barella is out, so Arturo Vidal will probably play. He is so far back past his best, he's almost a completely unrecognisable player from what he used to be. Bastoni is injured as well. Now, he's hoping to be back, but if he's not there with the way De Vries has played this year, there will be plenty of opportunity for Mo Salah to fill his boots. Spiky Diego Simeone comments could hand Liverpool rare £113 million transfer chance they could not miss. This is about, of course, Joe Felix and Simeone's Recent comments and the fact that Felix does not seem happy at Atletico at all. Um, I'd love to have Joe at Liverpool. I think he's sensational. And he'd make a really interesting addition. Jurgen Klopp set for a close look at next Luis Suarez, who could be perfect fit for Liverpool. Matthias Arezzo is regarded as the heir to Suarez's throne in Uruguay, and Liverpool will have an opportunity to take a look at him in La Liga following his transfer. Um, He is exceptionally talented. He joined Granada on deadline day, and he'd been brilliant in Uruguay, but it's obviously a massive step up into La Liga, and then the Premier League would be another step up altogether because it's just a, a more physical league a league that puts a bit more emphasis on defending than La Liga does. But yeah, he's one to keep an eye on. He won't be one that will make a move for any time soon. On AnfieldIndex.com, there is an article entitled Lineup Porn, um, which was put together by Daniel, by, sorry, by Adam Petrucian, um, just in relation to the game we saw against Leicester and how happy everybody was with the strength of the team, the options that we had and different things like that. So do give that one a read when you get a chance. Uh, there are player ratings for the Burnley game. Key stats as Liverpool's set-piece Kings break down stubborn Burnley. Uh, so you can check that one out, put together by Richard Coles. And uh, fans of the captain probably shouldn't shouldn't reach doesn't make good reading for him and uh, that's basically it we obviously had the nina kauser show 
after the game, we had the post-match Raw, which you can give a listen to as well. And actually, I think I'm wrong. It wasn't the Nina Kowser show. It was not the Nina Kowser show with Guy Drinkle stepping in as he does on Raw when myself and Trev aren't available, as he will do for the League Cup final. Um, yeah, plenty of podcasts, plenty of articles. Do check them all out on AnfieldIndex.com and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.